Well, a very uh, good evening to you all this evening, and uh, wonderful, of course, to be here at, at City Nights. How many of you are enjoying City Nights? All right, fantastic. And uh, it's especially, of course, a, a great night as we get to celebrate and to honor uh, those graduating from Bible school, and, and these are really special occasions. Um, because we get to, to applaud and, and say well done to these graduates for their efforts, for their hard work, for devoting themselves to a season of learning and studying. And, and that's what theology really is. It's the study of God. And so in some way, we're, we're all kind of theologians in this place. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a theologian. We're all studying God. It's what the Christian life is all about. But it's an honor to, to come and share with you graduates that this evening, uh, you know, the first time I ever got to preach at a, a graduation was at my, my own graduation, Elam uh, Bible College, all those years ago, and I was, uh, I was shaking in my boots, that's what I remember. But um, tonight I want to share with you a word to encourage all of you here tonight, but especially, of course, our, our graduates to go after your dream. Turn to your neighbor and say, go after your dream. You know, when you look through history, you discover that history is full of those who dreamed. The Wright brothers dreamed, and we have aviation today. Walt Disney American film producer, entertainer, um, uh, animator, dreamed, and we have the Walt Disney Productions, created the world's most famous fictional characters, and, and that was af you know, after they said that Disney, of course, was, had no ideas and no, had no talent. And also we have social dreamers. Perhaps the, the greatest dreamer of the mid-20th century is Martin Luther King Jr. who said, you know, that famous speech, I have a dream in 1963. I have a dream that all men will be treated equally, that they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of the character. How many know, remember that one? And that dream still, still lives on. And the Bible is also full of those who dreamed. How many remember Jacob? Jacob had fled his older brother, he's fleeing for his life, and he is alone. He's running to his mother's relatives, and, uh, but the scripture says that he has to stop to sleep, and little did he realize that he was about to bump into God. And the Bible says that he reached a certain place in Bethel, and he dreams of a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God are ascending and descending. And above it stood the Lord, and angels like messengers are taking the prayers up, and they're bringing the answers to prayers down. And see, sometimes some of us are, there's no, you know, uh, angels coming down because there's nothing going up. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And so he has this dream, and anyway, Jacob, he wakes, and he realizes that the Lord is in this place, and he wasn't even aware of it. How many times does that happen? He said, how awesome is this place? This surely is the gate of heaven. And this dream transformed his life. 
Or how about Gideon? Remember Gideon? Gideon had a, a, a dream. God used the power of a dream to boost Gideon's faith at a very low time and to overcome the Midianites. And even the enemy was having nightmares about Gideon's army overtaking the Midianites. They dreamt this large barley bread crashing into the Midianite camp. And God can use dreams to even strike terror into the enemy's camp. Even the enemy knows how powerful you are in God's hands. And so dreams were, were often a way that God communicated throughout the Bible. Dreams brought confirmation. They brought warnings. They brought direction. Uh, you see, in the old times, in the Old Testament times, the ancients understood that dreams were a major way that God would reveal his purposes. Dreams are important. And Joel 2 and Acts 2, at the birth of the early church, says this, that when God pours out his spirit, there's going to be an increase of visions and dreams. There's going to be an increase of visions and dreams. And tonight, I just want to bring you a very simple message, and it's this. I want to encourage you to start to dream. Graduates, I want to encourage you to start to dream. It's time for your spiritual dreams to come alive. It's time to pick up those dreams that you've laid down. It's time for them to live again. God wants us to have a dream. He wants us to have a, a vision. And so I want to encourage you to dream. D.L. Moody once uh, said this. He's the guy that's up on the wall. And you've probably seen him up at the Bible school. He's the guy with the scary eyes. He's got, you look at him, you think, ah, oh, he's looking through me. But D.L. Moody said these words. He said, dream great things for God and expect great things from God. Dream great things for God. Expect great things from God. You see, dreamers, they threaten the status quo. Dreamers call us beyond our traditions. They challenge our thinking to go beyond what, you know, sometimes we limit our, our own minds What's your dream today? What's the dream that God has put on your heart? What's the desire that God has put in your heart? The one person said this, that the poorest of all men is not the man without a penny. It's the man without a dream. I want to encourage those of you here tonight to go after your dreams. So many have given up on their dreams. They've given up on their, their vision. It's time for those to be picked up. Again, many in this generation have allowed their spiritual dreams to die. But it's time for them to be resurrected in Jesus' name. I want us to quickly look at Genesis 37. Genesis 37 verses 1 to 23. I'm not going to read all the verses. But we're going to look at a man who, who dreamed. Chapter 37 verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more, then any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, 
And when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. The Bible says that Jacob loved Joseph and that he made him a coat of many colors. And this was a coat of favor. In other words, it, it, it wasn't just a coat that blended in with everything else. It, it, it stood out. It was a coat of many colors. And I figure that this is really what the church should be like. It should be a, 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 a coat, a church that blends, doesn't blend in with the rest of the crowd, with the rest of the world. It's a, a church of many colors and tribes and nations that resembles the favor of the Lord. It's not just one nation, but many nations. That wherever the church is, she resembles the favor of God. And so Joseph had favor. And that coat of many colors represented the favor of his father. And he probably, you know, probably wore it proudly wherever he went. And so Joseph had these dreams as a young man, only age 17 years of age. And so there was a, a birthing of a dream. There, he now had a sense of purpose. He had a sense of, of calling. He had aspirations. He had a vision for his life that one day he would become great. But when he told it to his brothers, the scripture says that they hated him all the more, saying, well, do you intend to rule over us, Joseph? And the story goes that Jacob sends Joseph to go and check on the brothers to see if they're all okay, looking after the flocks and so he goes in, and, and as he's on his way, the brothers, it says they see him in the distance, and the Bible says that they plotted to kill him. They said, here comes the dreamer. They didn't even use his name. Here comes the dreamer. See, one thing we've got to understand is that not everyone's going to like you when you've got a dream and a vision. Not everybody's going to like you when the favor of the Lord is on you. There will always be those who want to kill what God has put in your spirit. There will always be those who want to mock that desire that you have to serve God all the days of your life. They said, let's kill him and throw him into the pit and we'll see what comes of his dreams. And they stripped Joseph of his robe he was wearing and they threw him into a pit where it says there was no water. And then they decided not to kill him but to hand him over to a group called the Ishmaelites so they could at least get some money out of it. So Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, I mean, just think about this. Imagine what was going on for Joseph and the pain that he was going through. His own brothers had sold him into slavery. And now, no doubt, Joseph starts to question the dream. He starts to question whether God is actually really with him. Joseph must have thought that his dream was, was over. It was done when his brothers threw him into that pit to die. But you see, now the dream was being put to the test. Joseph went from being the favorite son in his father's home to, to, uh, to being alone in a strange land with no friends, with no family. But Joseph had to remain focused, even with all of that emotional baggage that he was 
carrying, of being abandoned. See, anyone, anyone would have been tempted to, to think that God had left Joseph, but God hadn't left Joseph. Joseph was still in the will, the will of God. People sometimes think that just because you've got all hell breaking loose around you, that you're outside of the will of God. That wasn't the case. For Joseph, it says in chapter 39, four times that God was with him. And he didn't need a robe and he didn't need a coat to prove that he was highly favored and that God was with him. God was with him from the very day that he set foot in Egypt. He was sold to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. The Bible says that Joseph prospered and the Lord was with him. Isn't that wonderful? He had success in everything that he did. And when the master saw this, they put him in charge of his entire household. From the time he was put in charge of the, this household and, uh, uh, and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. Why? Because of Joseph. And so now it looks all, all of a sudden like it's really going well, that Joseph is back on track. You know, things are going well for him, but now he's about to face another test. Scripture says Joseph was well-built and handsome. Part of his wife took a little bit of a fancy to him, and she makes advances towards him, and he refused her. But he gets falsely accused of attacking Potiphar's wife, and the master finds out, and he gets angry and sends Joseph to prison. And so now he's facing another test. He ends up in prison. But the Bible says even then that the Lord was with him. He had favor with the prison wardens. He was put in charge of all those that were held in the prison. He was responsible for everything that was going on there. Uh, see, what's interesting is that when God's favor is on you, he'll make sure that you have the favor of men. God will always look after you. And so even in the midst of trial and, and, and testing and mistreatment, God was with him. Later on, it says that there was this cupbearer and, and a baker who were thrown into jail as well because they offended their master, and, but they were assigned to guess who? Joseph. The Bible says after a while of being um, in the prison, they both had dreams. You see, they were in the company of a dreamer. And when you're in the company of a dreamer, guess what starts to happen? You start to dream. And so, Joseph interprets the dreams. But no one in Egypt was having any dreams until Joseph turned up. And so Joseph interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and the, the baker. See, even whilst he was in prison, Joseph was stirring up the gift that was within him. Joseph could have said, God, I, I don't want any of it. What's the point of, you know, stirring up this gift within me? I'm in prison. I'm going nowhere. But he used the gift that God had gave him. I want to encourage you tonight to stir up the gift that God has put within you. Put that gift to work and see what God can do with it. Because watch this, short story. The cupbearer is released from prison. He's restored to his position in the palace. And the Bible says a few years later that Pharaoh has a dream. And he needs someone to interpret this dream. And the cupbearer remembers Joseph and, and how he interpreted his dream. And God opens a door through this cupbearer who remembers how Joseph had looked after him. 
And Joseph gets called up. You see, God will never forget you. He knows where to find you. He knows where to find you at the right time. And you remember how it goes. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, and he gets promoted. In one day, Joseph went from nothing to becoming second in command in Egypt. He went from nothing to becoming in charge of Pharaoh's palace. All the people were to submit to his orders. In one day, Joseph's life was changed. The dream was coming alive. It was coming to being. Joseph was experiencing the resurrection of a dream. Do you have a dream tonight? Do you have a desire tonight? Do you have that sense of, of, of purpose? Maybe you've laid down a dream. You've laid down a desire that God put in your heart some years ago. Initially, you were so excited and you were carrying a burden from the Lord, but something happened and you, you went off track. Does your dream need resurrecting tonight? Does your vision need resurrecting tonight? Perhaps you're here and you've lost hope and you've been despairing. God wants to resurrect that tonight. I read about a story um, from the States some years ago that reached um, headline news. I don't remember which state it was, but it was a woman who had reached so low in her life that she decided to, to commit suicide. And she jumped off a, a, a bridge into a river. Now, a man nearby sees her jump into this river, and he instinctively climbs up the rails, and he jumps into the river to save her. The only problem was this guy didn't know how to swim. <laughs> he jumps into the river to save her without now knowing how to swim. And as the woman starts to descend to the depths of the river, she suddenly sees this guy on the surface of the water drowning. She faces her dilemma, but she decides to swim to the drowning man to save his life. And so both lives were saved that day. True story. Afterwards, the, the interviewers were all coming together to find out what had happened. And, and the interviewer said this. He said, it wasn't the man that saved the woman that day. It was a purpose. She had found a newfound purpose to live. Joseph persisted for years through all kinds of difficulties, being thrown into a pit, being thrown into prison. For a long time, it seemed that that dream had died, but God kept the dream alive. Friends, it's time to pick up those dreams. And place it back into God's hands. It's time for those spiritual dreams to come alive again. And so there came a time when Joseph's dream was coming true. It was, his dream was reaching fulfillment. He was now promoted and exalted to being second in command in Egypt. But just stay with me for a few moments as I just come, come into land. If um, the guys could come up, that'd be great. Remember the, the dream Joseph had. Joseph had a dream that one day his family would bow low before him. And there was no doubt that the dream 
was from God. But the dream he had was about a harvest field. When the grain, of course, was in the process of being harvested and, and Joseph was def- about to find out what those dreams were all about in the first place. You see, when you're 17, you might be tempted to think that the dream is all about you. You might be tempted to think that it's all about you looking good. That one day you will become great and look good. But you see, God was working on Joseph for all those years. From the moment that he was thrown into a pit, when he was thrown into into prison. And the Bible says that there was a, a huge famine that hit the land. Causing widespread devastation and and starvation. But you see, the purpose of Joseph's dream was not that the family would bow before him. The purpose of the dream was that Joseph would be instrumental in saving his people from starvation in Canaan by bringing them to Egypt where there was plenty of food. God gave Joseph the dream so that he would be the means of saving his people. The Bible says the famine was so widespread that it drove Joseph's uh, brothers to approach Joseph. And uh, they ended up bowing before him just as those sheaves had done in Joseph's dream. And Joseph was able to, to say to his brothers, you intended to harm me. But you know what? God intended it for good. In fact, he actually used it. He brought me to this position so that I could save Lives of so many thousands of people in the midst of this famine. Joseph's dream was this. It was about the harvest. In his dream, he saw the wheat bowing down. Oh, that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When God sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die and to suffer on a cross. Jesus, who was betrayed by His brothers. Jesus, who was mistreated. Jesus, who was falsely accused. God was seeing a harvest. God had one goal, and that was to bring salvation to all of humanity. Humanity who was lost, who was in need of a Savior. Jesus knew that He was going to have to suffer. And die so that a harvest could be reached. Joseph realized his dream was not all about him. About him becoming great. It was all about the harvest. Meaning that wherever he went, he would reap the harvest. Joseph discovered that this dream was way bigger than him in the first place. It was about the salvation of his people. I want to ask you a question tonight. How is your dream connected to the harvest? How is your desire connected to reaching the lost? Do you have a heart for the lost? Mark was asking that question this morning as we were looking at the fivefold ministry of the evangelist and the need of evangelism in this hour. You know, when I was at Bible college, they used to, use this phrase, it was, you know, we need to recapture our harvest theology. And uh, I used to say amen to a lot of things I didn't understand. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess 
over the years, I've discovered a little bit more maybe about what that means. And it means this, that you can't be involved in church life without having a heart for the harvest. You can't be effective in doing church without having a heart for souls. And I believe God would knock on our hearts tonight. And he would ask us a question, how is your dream connected to my harvest? Do you have a heart for the harvest? If you want God to put his hand upon you, get a heart for the harvest. Because God has a dream too. And that dream is that hell will be empty and heaven will be full. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God has a dream to build a family in this city. That's his dream. How is your dream, your desires connected to the harvest, to God's dream? The word harvest means, you know, represents souls being brought into the kingdom. It means God's kingdom. It's about building the local church. God's ultimate purpose is to bring in the harvest. See, it's okay if you've got a dream to, you know, to make more money and have a nicer home and have a wonderful family and, you know, have a nicer car. And that's fine. You may have a dream tonight that you want to, you know, be super rich and be a super businessman and gain influence and be famous. And maybe you're here and you just want your children to be successful. Maybe you have a dream to have that dream husband or wife or that dream job. And that's all fine as long as it's connected to the harvest. As long as it's connected to helping people and building the kingdom. See, Joseph had a role to play in the harvest, and you all have a role to play in the harvest. Do you believe that tonight? When God promotes you, it's not so everyone can look around, you know, and see you. It's not so that you can go, you know, saying, look at me. It's so that you can influence others. And when you have a God dream, your dream is going to outlive you. Because it's going to bring fruit in other people's lives. Sometimes the dreamers die, but the dreams live on. Dreams never die because they are conceived in the mind and purposes of God. God is the source of all dreams. He puts desires in our hearts. He, he puts passions in our hearts. He puts, you know, He gives us dreams because they are products of His designs and His plans. Just in these moments, I want to encourage you to put God in your dream and watch Him work it out. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Do you want to respond to the call of God over your life tonight? Do you want to become a laborer, an ambassador, a witness? For Jesus, because you see, so wonderful to see these graduates, how they're responding to the call of God of their life. And you know that their future is limitless. God can do anything through them. But maybe he's knocking on your heart tonight. And he's saying, will you answer my call over your life? Will you pick up that gift again? Do you want to respond to me? Pick up that gift again. Dream again.